Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. So we are... uh... Continuing in our series, uh, Who is God?, where we're looking at the attributes of the God we serve and, and believe in, and it's, it's meant to bolster our faith because the more we know about the character of the God we serve, I'm telling you, uh, the more we can walk in a confidence uh, that is not seen. You know, but understood, and the experience of our faith grows that much more. And um, as we look at this, I, I first of all, I just want to thank you all. Just speaking of, you know, God's character working through us. You know, we had bingo night last Sunday, and we were raising. Uh, um, we, it was a drive for personal hygiene items for Broomfield Fish. It was a great, uh, great night of bingo. But we, I think, we did 705 pounds of personal hygiene items, and that's huge because I was told that they weigh lighter than just bringing canned foods in. So that's a huge amount of, of, of hygiene items, and it's over. Oh, it more than stocked their shelves. So thank you all who, uh, who came out and did that. Thank you, Stephanie, for calling bingo. Awesome. It's amazing. So um, we're looking this week at, you know, last week we looked at how God himself is unchangeable. He's fixed. He's constant. We also looked at he is self-existent, meaning he, 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 there was no beginning or end to him. And it's impossible to get our minds around that. But what we do know is that we are created. And therefore, there's only so much we can understand of him because it's just too big for our created minds to grasp. But the good news is he has made himself known. He has made himself known through his word. He has made himself known through his Holy Spirit. He has made himself known so that we can walk in this world in a way that's not dictated by what we see, but by what we know of the creator of all that we see. And uh, this week we're looking at, we're going to start with two attributes. The first one is God is holy. Holy. I don't think that's, does that surprise any of you? Our God is Holy. But I want you to think of a couple things. First of all, what does holy mean? Like, what's it mean? You can yell out your answers if you want, or just think about it. Set apart. Set apart. Hmm? Complete. Okay. Without sin. Anybody? Sacred. Pure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, all those are right. Uh, I'm going to give you a little more. So as we look at God and see, he doesn't do holy things. God like is holy. Like it's who he is. He doesn't decide to be holy some days and some days he's not so holy. He just is holy. Everything that comes from him, radiates from him, is holy. It's perfect. Holiness is revered. It's divine. It's set apart. It's sacred. Another way to say it, it is absolute perfection. Perfection. Now, he is morally spotless. Do we know what morals are? Because the rest of the world seems to be forgetting that. 
He's morally spotless in character, action. He's upright. He's pure. He's untainted with evil desires, motives, thoughts, words, or acts. God is holy and is the source and the standard of what is right. This is who our God is. God's total purity means that he is completely separate from the rest of of creation because he is eternally uncorruptible, but man became corruptible. Sin entered the world, but yet he is uncorruptible. He is set apart. So let me go back real quick. Let's ask another why. Why does it matter that God is holy? Seems like a simple question, but why does it matter that God is perfect? Why does it matter? Does it, does it matter? What? <laughs> okay, you can, you can nod. It's not that early. <laughs> does it matter? Yes. Ask yourself why. Why does it matter that God is holy and perfect and unchanging? Because I think in a context like this, many of us will just, well, just, well because it just, it is important. It is important for him to be holy. It is important for him to be the standard. But see, we live in the world where a lot of people are claiming a knowledge of God or a belief in a God, but it's a God that ultimately isn't holy. It's more of who they are. See, they don't want the holiness part of a God because that means there is accountability, right? If there is a standard of holiness and morality above themselves, that's big trouble, So a lot of what we see is humanism. A lot of what we see is, you know, worshiping ourselves in the name of worshiping God. But the God is very much a God of their own creation so that they can feel good about themselves. But in the presence of a truly holy God, you can't feel good about yourself. You can't because he is perfect. Are any of us in here perfect? Anybody? Just want to make sure. One in the back. Okay. (laughs) He has a lot to learn, Hope. I'm going to read to you a few scriptures. Isaiah 6, 1, 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With the two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, let's read this together. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Let's look at Revelation 4.8, another picture of heaven. What does it say? The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day nor night, saying, what? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. This is a picture of heaven. God is holy, and his holiness fills all of this universe and all of this creation and all of heaven, and all they can do is worship it and acknowledge it. He is perfect. Now, because he is perfect, he is free from all evil. He loves all truth and all goodness. He can't approve of any evil. And he has no pleasure in evil. He can't tolerate it. He detests it. 
Let's look at Psalm 5.4. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. Habakkuk 1.13. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil, to look upon evil, and cannot look upon wickedness. So here we have a perfect God that cannot be in the presence of evil nor look upon evil. And we know just from our Bible, if you believe in what the Bible says, that man has fallen, man has become corrupted. Man cannot approach God because God cannot be in the presence of evil. And evil is defined by sin. One sin... One sin tarnishes you. You are no longer perfect. You cannot dwell in the presence of perfection. Trust me, this is going to be good news. Exodus 3.5. This is God talking through Moses through a burning bush. He says this. Do not draw near this place. Don't come any farther. Because Moses was approaching this burning bush. The presence of God. And God said, stop. It's dangerous. Then he goes, this is, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Why is it holy? Because God was there. It wasn't holy before. It was holy as he stood or as he burned in that bush. He said, I am the God, your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And what does he do? And Moses, what? He hid his face. What were the angels in heaven doing as they worshiped him? Covering their face. Perfection cannot even be looked upon. This is how big, this is what holiness really means. That as, as Moses understood what was happening now through this burning bush, he hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God in his perfection. So again, we have to acknowledge the standard. And you're just going to see why. And often we don't want to totally acknowledge the standard because we want some of our imperfections to be excusable and to be overlooked. But yet we want that same God to judge others a lot more harshly. Right? But for us, we have a lot more leeway. Or we downplay our sin. We downplay moral frailties that we may possess. But yet God doesn't change He doesn't change. He is perfect. He is set apart. But now here's the problem. And if you skip down to the slide, Becky, that says imminent. He is also imminent. He is holy and he is imminent. What does imminent mean? Not E-M. Imminence, but imminent. He's indwelling. He remains within. He does not sit back and merely observe a creation, what he set in motion. But he is present and actively participating in this world. So how can a perfect, holy God who is set apart also at the same time be totally present and active in a creation that has been corrupted? How? It's a dichotomy. It doesn't seem to make sense. It seems to be polar opposites of each other. But yet they're not. This is the beauty of who we serve. I want to show you something. 
Jeremiah 23, 23 says this, Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God far off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? He is speaking to his eminence. He's speaking to the fact there is nowhere you can go that you are not seen. You can run, but you can't hide. He is present. He sees all, and he is with all, and he is active with all. Isaiah 57, 15 says this, For thus says the Lord, one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is what? Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. He's both, but I want you to begin to see something here. Why is his eminence so important? You see right here in this verse, see his eminence has an effect on his creation, but also a purpose. See, he says he dwells with the lowly and the contrite of heart, the broken. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to tell you a contrite heart is one in which the natural pride and self-sufficiency have been completely humbled by the consciousness of guilt. A contrite heart offers no excuses and shifts no blame. It fully agrees with God about how evil it is. A contrite heart throws itself upon the mercy of God, knowing it deserves nothing but righteous wrath. This is what God's presence, this is the effect of it, because he is perfect and we are not, right? But he says, I dwell with these people. I dwell with the humbled. I dwell with those that are so aware that they have nothing to offer in the presence of a perfect God. I dwell with them and I revive them. You see what he needs to break us so that he can revive us. And the only way to be revived is to be completely humbled and submitted. So if we don't understand what the holiness of God is or means, we miss it. And then we start living in a life of making excuses for our actions instead of submitting all that we are to him. Because somehow we feel like he doesn't care. It's very important because I read to you Isaiah 6, 3. I didn't finish all of it because I wanted to wait for this part. But he says, and one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts or the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, what? Cool. This is awesome. Now, what did he say? Woe is me, for I am undone. I am destroyed. I have been stricken dumb. I can't even speak. For I am a man of what? He didn't say, oh man, I am awesome. I'm so good. I'm a good person. Who's heard that? I'm a good person. (laughs) This guy's like, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he was good. As far as I'm concerned, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen who? The who? A perfectly holy king. In the presence of the king, he became painfully aware that he was a man of unclean lips. Meaning before, I don't know if the awareness was there. And so we live in a society now 
that is trying to dismantle the structure of morality, the standard which God has set through his word for the life of his people to elevate man and everything that man desires. You see the difference? You can't worship yourself in the presence of a perfect God. You are so aware of how evil you are. And I hate to say that, but there's good news in accepting that, hey, there's nothing good that can come from me. It doesn't mean we can't do nice things, but ultimately sin separates us from a perfect and holy God, right? Watch what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3. He said, blessed, happy, joyful are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed and happy are those that realize that they are spiritually impoverished and have nothing to offer. He goes, those are the happy people. Why? Because they get to receive the kingdom of heaven and the goodness and mercy and grace of God, the purpose of God. They get to receive that which is that we can't see, but can exist now through his Holy Spirit. And Jesus used a word for poor that was truly poor, meaning This is a type of person that has absolutely nothing and has to beg for everything that they get. He says, so blessed are the truly poor in spirit that says, I have nothing, nothing I need, I need, I need. But yet I think we could forget that need and we can come become complacent and rest upon grace in a way that's not moving us forward and empowering us, but it's giving us excuses to stay where we are. But that's not how our God operates. Poverty of spirit cannot be artificially induced by self-hatred. Do you all know that? You can't just go, oh, God, I just hate myself. You can't do it. It happens to you through the Holy Spirit in our response to that. It happens to us as the standard of God is revealed through his spirit. And then we are so aware. You see what I mean? You can't just all the, who's ever just tried to humble themselves, right? You're, you are humbled. So I want to show you, I just want to give you an illustration, an example that hopefully will help. I'm going to do something here. I don't really play guitar. This is so short. (laughs) I feel like Dave Matthews. (laughs) All right. So here's the example. I know a few chords. Sounds like poor. Never mind. We both lost son. Okay, all right. Okay, never mind. All the teenagers are like, what is he singing? No, so let's just say I'm the only one that plays this. There's no standard by which I measure myself. Like, there's none. I would say, I'm good. I'm really good. Okay? I'm playing two chords, right? But yet, because I have nothing else to measure myself against, I'm like, I am amazing. I am so good with these two chords. Now, let's say all of you played, right? All of you played, but you're all about like me. 
you know, a few chords. So basically, I'm like, we're all good. I'm a little better than you. Just a little better than you because, you know, I play a little smoother. But, all, but we're basically all on the same level, right? And so I could feel really good about myself. I'm good. I'm a good player. I'm a really good player. I'm amazing. Now, okay, Chris, if you don't mind coming up. I'm just going to keep playing. Because I'm walking through life and I'm just like, I got this. I'm so good. There's no one to tell me I'm not. No standard to show me that I'm not. Okay, what I know is what I know, and I'm doing it really well, right? Okay, and then Chris shows up. And you are. That's truly amazing. Give it up for Chris. I could listen to that all day. That's incredible. Okay. This is why we need God to be holy and imminent. See, his image, his presence upon this stage, his demonstration and declaration of who he was quickly showed me how good I was not. It quickly showed me that. But, I said, but we, do, we get afraid of looking into the mirror. That, I don't even say the mirror. Looking into the face of God, into the character of God, and saying, I am falling so short. There's something so uncomfortable about that. But it's in the humility that is found in the recognition of that, in the experience of that, that you find life. Because spiritually, Jesus now, through the Holy Spirit, God through his Holy Spirit, could be like the Chris and indwell within me. To expose the standard, but yet lead me in the way of the standard. Do you see? It's so important that first we have to recognize the need and then understand the grace and the mercy of God that said, the only way you can even approach me is through the blood of Christ that covers you completely and forgives you all of your evil. It purifies you. It sanctifies you, but it has nothing to do about you. It has everything to do about Jesus Christ who walked perfectly and then died for our sins. And we have been washed by the blood of the lamb. And all we can do is receive it. There's not one thing we can do to earn it. All we can do because we are truly poor is say, Lord, I need your mercy. I need your grace. Without you, there is no hope. I need you. I need you. But if we're strutting around self-righteously saying, well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. Or I've done this, and you haven't done this, so I'm right, my right standing is a lot better before the God, the perfect God, because of my little act. Do you see how ridiculous it is? This is so important, y'all. When Jesus said to truly live is to die, he's referring to this, to understand that we have nothing to offer. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. And it's the strongest word used for mourning. The mourning over a loved one. But it's the mourning over our sin and its effects. And that can only happen in the presence of God. But he said, blessed are those 
Happy are those, but yet we live in a time and place where we feel like if we give up this, we won't be happy. That if we give up this pet sin or we give up this way of doing something that we know isn't quite in line with God and his standards, that we will not live. He's like, no, be humble, submit yourself completely. And you see how magnificent the gift of salvation is now. Because we can live within the standard, but have the confidence of not being destroyed. We can stand before the standard and have the confidence of not being completely consumed. Because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. And that's where life starts. Hebrews 4, 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our what? But was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin, because our God is perfect. Let us therefore come boldly. Do you remember what I read to you from the Exodus account? God said, don't come any closer. Now we are being beckoned to come fully in the presence of God to the throne of grace. For what? To receive punishment? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And don't. Don't get confused. This weakness is about moral frailty. The weakness of our own ability to produce a perfectly moral character. A char- See, we can get tempted into sinning. We, you know what I'm saying? That we are tempted to walk in the ways of sin and we're weak, but some of us are too afraid to acknowledge that. Or we're too afraid to approach our God when we are dealing with such weakness. But he says you need to come boldly because the standard... The standard is only made complete when you accept it, receive it, are humbled by it, but then allow him to cover you with grace and to strengthen you. It's not there to shame you and to keep you in a state of shame. It's there to bring life, to revive your life. God is perfect. There's no blurred lines. What it says is what it says, and he means it, and it doesn't change. But that's a good thing. Mercy literally means kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted. Grace, merciful kindness, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ and keeps them. See, see, it's both. This is why our God is so incredibly amazing. Because his standard never changed. He just fixed, he changed the system so that we could encounter him again. This is why it's so important to understand the birth of Jesus because it's God saying, I am here, I am in a holy and lofted high place, and I am now coming down to walk amongst my creation to demonstrate my heart, but more importantly, to take care of the sin problem. So that my creation could have life again. So that they could dwell and exist in my presence. That's who we serve. So how do we apply this? What's the big takeaway? 
Be open to looking at your weaknesses morally. Just be open. Allow the standard of who God is to show those areas where you are morally frail right now, where you are weak. But don't hide from it. Don't justify it. Don't make excuses for it. Just say, Lord, I am undone. I am undone. Help. Help. See, this is the gift of grace. So let's not look at all the good we're doing. Because we can only give credit to Jesus for that. Let's actually look at where we're having some difficulty and know that he is perfectly holy, perfectly good, and we are perfectly forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. And you can boldly approach his throne in his presence. Amen. All right. Jesus, thank you so much. Lord, thank you for this, man, this word, Lord. Thank you that you have let us know who you are so that we could, Lord, have a proper response that would ignite life again, Lord, that would pull us out of the pits of despair and sin and heaviness and confusion and darkness, Lord. Lord, and I pray that the darkness that is light for some of us become darkness like it should be. That we don't make excuses for it. That we humbly submit all of who we are, every desire, every feeling, every thought, everything, Lord, that we know does not line up with perfection we give to you, Lord. Because, Lord, as we do that, we know and you promise that you will revive us. You will give us grace to help. Jesus, we love you. Father God, we stand humble before you. You are perfect. You are perfect. You are perfect. Lord, we love you. We love you. Create in each of us a clean heart. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. That's russ, F-A-I-L-L-A-C-I dot com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.